0: Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 110. And as always, you're joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's episode, we just want to remind you, as always, that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please remember to tell your family and friends about them, take a screenshot, post it to your social media stories, tag Jack, tag myself, and tag the bodybuilding dietitians. We would greatly appreciate it. Now, without further ado, Let's get into this episode, Jack. We've got a great Q&A lined up today. So, this first question, I feel like it's relevant for a heck of a lot of people. Mm. And it says, "What's your best advice for hitting macros spot on?"
1: Great. So, this is an exciting one to start with. And undoubtedly, it won't apply to everyone who's listening, but hopefully you can still learn something even if you don't track your macros, but the reality is with our demographic a very large proportion of our listeners do track. So we thought it would be useful.
0: Yeah, and who doesn't like hitting their targets?
1: So this is something that I see quite often with people who are either trying to gain weight and they're having trouble hitting their macros from a gaining perspective because they're not used to consuming that much food versus obviously being in a deficit and not losing enough weight because they're not hitting their macros in a deficit. So it can go either way. And some some people might be surprised to be like, oh wait people struggle to eat enough food and Yes, believe it or not some people For example, they might have a carbohydrate target of 400 grams per day and they're just not used to eating that amount of carbohydrates So they do struggle with that. So let's get stuck into a few tips as to what might help This is in no particular order, but the one I'll mention first up is just planning your day in advance and something I see very often is people who basically input what they eat after they've eaten the meal or they'll get to the final meal of the day and they're like better log breakfast lunch my three snacks and that post-workout i ate and then by the time they've already done that they might be 10 grams over fat 600 grams under protein and like around about where they need to be for carbohydrates
0: rookie mistakes (laughs) seriously it really does come down to just planning ahead because if you have a solid plan in place and you know that if you eat specific foods within specific meals and it hits your specific targets man you can't fail
1: Mm. it is great to have variety in the diet but the reality is that most people eat similar foods every day Mm -hmm. it might differ by a few ingredients but if you're eating the similar foods every day there's no excuse not to just tap two buttons and go copy to date Today on yeah. my fitness pal. And if you didn't know that, <laughs> you can do it. Like you just press those three little dots below each meal. You go copy to date or copy from date, and that's how you copy meals.
0: You heard it here first. The bodybuilding dietitians are giving you permission to copy and paste. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so for example, like I'm having overnight oats very frequently at the moment. Let's say I might just change the strawberries on top to blueberries, but it's still very easy just copy and paste change one ingredient and bob's your uncle but yeah that would definitely be probably my number one tip is just planning ahead in advance Uh, if you have any time the night before plan out your next day of eating and that's not to say it has to be in a food-focused manner you're not doing it because oh i'm so keen to eat the next day like i'm i'm counting down the seconds until i can next eat you're purely just doing it for a convenience standpoint and so that you can accurately hit your nutrition and not everyone needs to do that. Not everyone needs to be as accurate as that. But again, this question is tailored for those specific individuals.
0: Yeah. They did ask, how do you hit your macros spot on? Mm. Yeah. So definitely planning ahead and, you know, before you eat something, make sure that you do log it and then you actually look at the macros that it turns out to be because Again, you might eat something, then you look at it afterward and you're like, oh man, that meal only had 10 grams of protein and it had 40 grams of fat in it. Like, I feel like if you are at that stage where you're trying to take this pretty seriously, that shouldn't be happening, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. And that leads us on to my another point that I wanted to make is personally for me and something that I recommend for some clients is, For the last thing I eat in the day, I try and purposefully make it have protein, carbs and fats. And the reason being is that, let's say you're always consistently like three to 10 grams or two to 10 grams under in each macronutrient, or one day you might be 10 grams under in fat, the other day you might be six grams under in carbs. Having all three macronutrients in the last meal, it allows you and a direct source of each. So for example, to cap you off before bed, You might have a bowl of low-fat yogurt with some a banana and maybe some dark chocolate or something like that or some peanut butter. And that meal there has protein, carbs and fats and fairly direct sources of each. So let's say you need to hit, or let's say 30 grams of protein, like 20 carb and eight grams of fat. You just select however much of those three individual foods you need exactly to cap your macros off perfectly because that way it's really easy so you might need 12 grams of dark chocolate you might need 322 grams of yogurt and maybe like i don't know 100 grams of banana to to cap that off perfectly and again yes it might sound pedantic going to that extreme but we're, we're tracking macros here they're meant to be hit accurately
0: yeah exactly what's the point in having targets if you're not trying to aim for that target yeah or even if you're not necessarily aiming for your like having an additional snack after dinner like the yogurt and mm. the fruit and the dark chocolate making sure that you have ingredients in your dinner that you can slightly manipulate yeah, things your so, final
1: your final meal of the day
0: yeah so for example having a lean protein source there that you could add a little bit extra or take a little bit away for your meat so having a little bit more kangaroo mints or a little bit less chicken breast so that you could hit your protein in terms of fat you could just have a little bit more olive oil or a little bit less cheese. And then in terms of carbohydrates, having a little bit more rice or potatoes or a little bit more of your starchy veg, something like that. But just to make sure that you can hit those targets at the end of the day. But at the same time, I still think number one would be planning ahead. Because sometimes people do get to the very end of the day and their macros are just whack. (laughs) like. Throughout the beginning parts of the day, they haven't eaten enough protein, they've eaten way too many carbs, and they haven't eaten any fat. And then at the very end of the day, they basically have to go like high protein, high fat, or go on a ketogenic diet or something like that, because they're like, oh man, I can't have any carbs in my dinner, and I can only have like 15 grams of protein, but I've got to hit 45 grams of fat. And then it's just it's yes you have targets for the entire day but meal timing and macronutrient distribution still matter
1: Mm. yeah we did a very comprehensive episode a few episodes ago on on meal timing and protein and basically uh, if you plan it out in advance you can't go wrong like have around two-thirds of your calories in the first half of the day and then maybe a third in the second half and have a around like 0.4 to 0.55 grams per kilo of body weight of animal protein at each meal or Mm -hmm. a complete protein and then fats spread fairly evenly throughout the day not having like 70 to 80 percent of your fats just in one meal yeah because it's important for nutrient absorption and Mm -hmm. satiation but as a general rule of thumb like uh, go listen to that episode because it's it's very useful.
0: Yeah, and I think the people that run into the biggest issues with obviously having a bit of whack macros at the end of the day are generally those who take flexible dieting to a whole nother level. Like, mm. don't get me wrong, I'm a huge advocate of a flexible approach, but I'm also a huge advocate of a nutritious approach and also a very structured approach too. So sometimes people, they're like, cool, I've just got three numbers to hit and plus some a little bit of fiber, hopefully. <laughs> They're just like, I just have these three numbers hit throughout the day. I can pretty much eat whatever I want as long as I hit those numbers. And yeah, I guess that does matter the from, most. From a
1: body composition standpoint, yeah, potentially. Yeah, and
0: an energy intake standpoint. But at the same time, if you're changing your food sources every single day, like you just are going to run into a few issues.
1: Hmm. And I think what you mean there is more so the the bro flexible dieting where maybe maybe bro isn't the right word but where they might have i don't know a protein cookie for breakfast and then they'll fit in a a normal coke full of sugar Mm -hmm. and they might have some wacky meals in there and not because obviously we like i would say we flexible diet but we still have a very very nutritious approach
0: yeah i would like to describe it like that it's flexible but it's nutritious
1: yeah cool let's coin that (laughs) But yeah, that's that's basically it. what I wanted to say. The final point I'll make is that ultimately it's going to take work. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be able to hit it spot on. You're going to have to put in some work to plan it and to build some habits and to learn the ropes of my fitness pal and get the hang of it. And then sure, do that for two to four weeks and it, it will be second nature.
0: Mm-hmm. And another piece of advice that I would suggest is definitely trying to Basically front load more of your calories because I feel especially like when people are going through dieting phases They get into this habit of wanting to back load a lot of their food Especially people who work like nine to five jobs Mm. like they don't want to eat much during the day and they almost want to go home at night And it's almost like a reward to have a really big dinner and a nice big Mm. tub of halo top or something like that but then when you're moving into more of a building phase sometimes you can carry those habits over with you so you're actually like hoarding a lot of macros and a lot of calories later for the night but then when you're really full then you can't necessarily eat all of that food late at night so it's tough and And
1: it it will impact your sleep and potentially even contribute to some esophageal dysfunction mm -hmm. like some girdle gourd and some heartburn and that sort of stuff some
0: reflux yeah
1: reflux yeah
0: Yeah. So definitely I'm just such a huge advocate of no matter what phase you're in, like, honestly, if you are in a dieting phase, still front-loading more of your calories so that you have more energy throughout the day. So you can burn more energy. You feel better, put more energy into your life, have higher meat levels, and then just have a bunch of, you know, meat and vegetables at night to really satiate you. But no matter what phase you're in, like try to avoid hoarding and backloading a heck of a lot of your calories and just really more front load or at least evenly distribute those throughout the day.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: Awesome, guys. So yeah, plan ahead, make a plan, and uh, you can't fail. You will hit those macros spot on.
1: (laughs) Awesome. So what's the next question for today?
0: So this is a good one, and it actually carries on a fairly similar topic. But it asks... I'm in a building phase and I'm struggling to consume my daily calories. Tips for eating more food when I'm feeling full.
1: Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular content on our Instagram and YouTube channel. You can find those platforms by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. Awesome, so have you ever experienced this before?
0: Probably not nearly to the same extent that you have. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, I'm a girl with an appetite and I can eat. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I think there's only been, so we're coming up on five years together mm-hmm. and there's probably only been one time in memory where you are like, Jack, I can't, I can't do this. I can't finish this bowl of oats. <laughs> I <laughs> and think
0: that's when I had this like humongous salmon filet right before it. Yeah. It was so satiating.
1: I think it was also when you were like, okay, I'm going to start gaining weight diligently. Mm-hmm. And you, you increased your food by quite a lot. So that would have been yeah way back in 2016
0: yeah go big or go home and i did finish that bowl of oats <laughs> yeah
1: but yeah there's it's definitely a very very frequent occurrence for me in the off season where even at breakfast i'm just <laughs> sitting there staring at my cereal or staring at my oats and like oh i really don't want to do this but again that might be a foreign thought for some people but bodybuilding is uh, an extreme sport mm-hmm. and it's it sounds weird doing that sort of stuff but we all do extreme things to get extreme results
0: yeah you have to push yourself outside your comfort zone either yeah. way and you have to take your body composition to extremes on either side mm. of the pendulum but at the same time i would argue that the best bodybuilders in the world they have good appetites yeah they can eat and i don't want this to be taken in the wrong way but If you are an individual who is struggling to gain weight and struggling to change your body composition, but you're adamant that eating more than 200 grams of carbs per day is just too much food and you feel too full, then I'm really sorry, but unfortunately, maybe this just isn't the sport for you because sometimes you have to get uncomfortable. And I would argue that you know discomfort is at a much higher level than something like 200 grams of carbs or more than 60 grams of oats in your bowl of breakfast at the morning but obviously everyone's different but i'm just saying sometimes you really do have to push your limits and sometimes that comes down to eating a little bit or a heck of a lot more food
1: on that note of going to extremes i wanted to just plug my most recent youtube video which i actually discussed my blood test results from being in prep so i've been in prep for over six months now i think And Lost over 15 kilos and I got a blood test result before I started prep and I got one just a week ago So I discussed those results like my testosterone thyroid my blood nutrient status And I think it will be really insightful for both competitors and non-competitors And I give a physique update some workout footage. So highly recommend checking that out We'll link our channel in the show notes or just search bodybuilding dietitians on youtube
0: yeah absolutely that was an epic video and yeah guys definitely go check that out because it's a very honest insight into Mm. what can happen to a natural competitor's testosterone levels
1: yeah cool so on back to the question so what can people do if they're struggling to eat enough food so again it's going to coincide with our initial question so you need to plan out what how much you need to eat in advance and that's kind of one of the more obvious things and any tips from you that you wanted to mention?
0: Yeah. So with this, I think that obviously people go into building phases and gaining phases following a dieting phase. And what I see as a common occurrence is that they actually carry over a lot of that dieting mindset and a lot of the different protocols and habits that they Mm. were implementing around food, into their building phase, at least initially. And a lot of that comes from trying to really maximize their food volume, get the most out of their food, and also eating those quote-unquote diet foods. So you know what I'm talking yeah. about. like adding 200 grams of zucchini to your oats and mm. still eating diet jellies and they're purchasing spud like potatoes instead yeah. of just good old normal sweet potatoes.
1: Did you say egg whites to oats?
0: No, I said they're adding like 200 grams of zucchini oh, right, to their yeah. oats, but yeah, adding egg whites to their oats as well.
1: And like I can understand if you genuinely enjoy, like you love zucchini oats, but <laughs> um, if you could have like a hundred grams of oats without zucchini, Versus 50 grams of oats with zucchini or even 100 grams of oats with zucchini. Would you honestly pick the zucchini? Because I wouldn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tried I tried zotes once in my life. Was not a fan, man. Yeah. Was not a fan. I swear, no matter how low my oats would to ever get. To be fair, get, I haven't
1: tried it. So I, I could be. You don't need to
0: try it, man. <laughs> okay. You don't need to put zucchinis in your oats. You, you got enough food. But even then, like I would rather just have less oats. To me, it's mm. just like zucchini soup. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that when people enter into a building phase, sometimes they carry over those habits into that building phase. And sometimes it can hold them back because they're like, man, I'm on like 400 grams of carbs and I'm so full. And then I'll go over my fitness pal with them and I'm like, well, look, you're still adding 200 grams of zucchini to your oats in the morning, and you're still having 500 milliliters of diet jelly at lunch, and <laughs> dude, buy the real potatoes. Stop buying the spud lights. So there's these little things that you can pinpoint that you're like, hey, you can definitely hit your targets. We don't need to eat all of this high-volume food, but sometimes you just have to point that out and make it a bit obvious. Yeah,
1: and that's a very good point, and, and I know that, like just being honest I'm probably going to face that as well like at the moment I'm consuming like over a kilo of vegetables in the evening and it's it's sometimes hard to break those habits of of doing something for six months and then Mm. completely turning tails and because I know for me being very adaptive I'll be up to 600 carb in in no time like within a few weeks after my show so it's it's going to be a very quick turnaround in terms of what foods I'm choosing, especially because hunger is still going to be there for the, for the first bit. But again, this question applies mainly to people who aren't like competing. So, yeah.
0: So I think this, like Jack, take the floor when you're on really high food. What are some ways that you ensure that you hit your calorie targets and particularly very high carbohydrate targets?
1: Yeah. So basically it's part of it is reprogramming. And like, for example, I'll be coaching someone and we'll be bumping their food up quite a lot because they've never purposely gained weight before. They're young, they're healthy, they train like a beast, they're growing new muscle, they might even still be growing as well for the younger guys I coach and they're they're at like 500 carb before they were probably eating, I don't know, 300 or 400 and they look at, for example, two slices of bread and say, okay, that's a normal meal for me. I'll have a sandwich for lunch with two slices of bread. In reality, they need six slices of bread in order to hit the requisite amount of carbohydrates for that meal. And not that I designate carbs for each meal, but like in reality, that's how much they just need to eat. Yeah. So that's part of it. Like they might look at one cup of cooked rice and be like, damn, that looks like a lot of rice. In reality, they need two, two and a half cups of rice. So Part of it is just going to be adapting to that new amount of food, the actual quantity. And then, of course, being strategic with what sources you're actually consuming. So I have been not, again, guilt isn't the right word, but I've been guilty in the past of thinking that I need to eat whole grains and whole meal and fruits and vegetables for all my sources of carbohydrates. And what happened with that is that my fats skyrocketed to compensate. I was doing shots of olive oil and I would be full hundred percent of the time. Like I was having lentils in the evening, beans in the evening, wholemeal pasta at lunch. I was having like 250 grams of oats for breakfast with blueberries.
0: Even after a workout, you would like down an entire protein shake filled with oats. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nearly choked on one of those rolled oats (laughs) once.
1: Oh man. And so basically restructuring your your day of eating to accommodate for more refined foods and yes Mm -hmm. i'm a dietitian telling you you might need to consume a few more refined foods Mm
0: -hmm. but refined doesn't equal unhealthy
1: i'm not saying you go and buy a tub of ben and jerry's and have that for dinner i'm saying that you still need the basis of good nutrition so six serves of veg two serves of fruit the requisite amount of whole grains and having lean meats and dairy and monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fatty acids so you still need to tick all those boxes but once those boxes are ticked there's no reason why you can't have other sources Mm -hmm. for example you might have some wholemeal bread at lunch on that wholemeal bread you could have some jam or some honey or some uh, sliced banana with some honey on top or something like that.
0: Yeah, or get amongst the bagels, man, and get amongst things like the hot cross buns. And yeah, Yeah. things like jelly and honey, they're awesome. Again, Mm -hmm. you can add those sort of foods to more nutritious sorts of foods. So if you're having a big bowl of oatmeal, have some peanut butter and jelly on there or drizzle some honey on top.
1: Yeah, That's that's what I do in my off season is I always have that basis of good nutrition, a solid foundation. So for example, for breakfast, I'll, I always break it up into protein, carbs, and fats. And what's a solid nutrition source of each. So breakfast might be hundred grams of oats for some quality whole grains that I might have 15, 20 grams of walnuts for some fatty acids. And then for protein, I'll have some low fat yogurt for a quality source of dairy and protein. And then to basically meet the carbohydrate target for that meal, I'll have a lot of Milo cereal or some cornflakes or some rice bubbles, some cocoa pops. And is that healthier than just having the oats? No way.
0: But what are you supposed to do if you're trying to hit 200, 250 grams of carbs for breakfast? What are you supposed to eat? 400 grams of oats? Yeah, I'm
1: just (laughs) saying it's, yeah, it's not possible.
0: It's possible, (laughs) but like you don't need to make it possible. Yeah.
1: Again, what I'm, what I'm alluding to here is that bodybuilding or the process of eating enough to gain weight and gain muscle it it's not it's not the healthiest thing in the world mm. would it be healthier to just stay relatively fit and active and run and and lift weights without the intention of gaining maximum muscle yes but the people who listen to this are mainly interested in getting as big as possible yeah
0: and i like how you made the point that you know, cover your bases first, make sure you Mm. get in enough fruits, enough vegetables, enough lean meats, enough dairy, enough whole grains. But then guys, after you've met your recommended daily intake for all those foods and all those nutrients, you don't get extra brownie points for eating extra nutrients. Like your body can only absorb so much. It only needs so much on Mm. a daily basis. So as long as you meet those targets, anything above that, Again, don't hold yourself back from an energy intake standpoint in order to actually meet your body composition goals because you're scared of having perhaps a little bit more refined sources of carbohydrates, something like honey or mm. jam because yeah, you're going to hold yourself back and you're actually probably going to lose points if you want to stand on a bodybuilding stage one day.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, excu- bodybuilding aside, if you just want to gain and perform at your best. like yeah, any ima- <laughs> type of
0: athlete. No. Imagine
1: if you're having like, eight slices of multi-grain bread Mm -hmm. to reach your carb target prior to going for a a sprinting session at the track
0: yeah because you're like like, oh no i don't want to drink a gatorade because that has sugar in it yeah
1: (laughs) and i guess on a little bit of a tangent but it's still sort of relevant i want to talk about the topic i guess this could be a new topic or question but like digestion Mm -hmm. and in the bodybuilding scene in the more like hardcore potentially enhanced side of things bodybuilding scene I see a lot of people saying oh I'm going I'm not going to eat this because I need to stick to something that's good for my digestion or I'm having this food because it digests well and I would pose the argument that the reason why something isn't digesting well is because you're not exposing yourself enough to it like if you only have white rice for lunch every single day for a year if you're going to try and have some oats or have some pasta I'm not surprised that you don't digest it well because you're not having it. Mm-hmm. Your gut is very adaptable.
0: Yeah, especially those foods that have fiber in them. Yeah. Because, again, our large colon, it has specific bacteria in there that are used to feasting on certain types of fiber varieties.
1: Mm. Yeah, and it, it just comes back to variety, as you said. I'm an advocate for again having a, a staple foundation like let's be honest i'll have oats for breakfast probably 300 days of the year yeah. but on top of that i'll vary the fruit i'll vary the other sort of carb source i add to those oats same for i don't know lunch i'll usually have a wheat-based product like mm. whether it be bread or pasta but then i'll add different veg to that I'll i might have couscous instead of pasta even though it's still wheat It's it's still variety mm. and i'm exposing my body to different things different nutrients
0: yeah so your diet has like a blueprint but nothing's necessarily set in stone Mm. like there's that framework but there's still a little bit of flexibility and i think that's why you and i aren't advocates of super strict meal plans like we love giving our clients suggestions for having like yes have this amount of protein carbohydrates and fats at this time during the day but we give them options for different food sources they can get those from. It's not like, oh, at breakfast, you're only allowed to eat bananas and mm. you can't have any other sort of fruit.
1: Yeah, I I guess this brings us on to another topic, which is we in the past, we have kind of expressed our reluctance for meal plans or our potential that we aren't a massive fan of them. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that has actually changed over the last few months. We've be, Maybe it's our prep, maybe it's just working with even more people, but there is definitely a lot of positives to meal plans. Mm-hmm. And like a few of them being, if you give someone a meal plan that hits the macros perfectly with exactly covering all their bases in terms of nutrients, it gives them a realistic expectation of what that looks like, mm. or even just some ideas of what foods to, to eat during the day, the diversity required, and obviously most importantly for some people, is actually achieving results. Like if if you leave it up to someone to try and hit their macros every day and they've never done it, then they're trying to lose weight, but they're 600 calories over on their targets every day.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's the thing. I work so closely with my clients always during every single check-in going through their MyFitnessPal, looking at every single meal, looking at what they're actually eating. And I just love like the clients of mine that get the absolute best results, keep things pretty damn consistent. Again, they eat pretty similar things every single day with a little bit of variety throughout the week. They might swap out their chicken for some red meat so that they get enough iron. They might have fish twice per week. They might swap out some cheese for some dark chocolate for fats in the morning, whatever it may be. but Overall, it's not like you're going through each day and you're, you're swiping through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and there's a different thing eaten every single breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack. There's just, it's almost like there's too much variety, right? And there's no actual consistency. Mm. So I'll, honestly, like the clients of mine that get the best results, again, it's that combination that of flexible, but nutritious, but also consistent.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what exactly you and I both do with our comp prep diets. Again, we have that framework, we have that blueprint, but we'll swap out a different type of fruit variety here or there, a different type of vegetable variety. You might have some dark chocolate instead of some peanut butter one day or a type of seed instead of a type of nut, but like basically the baseline, it's pretty damn the same yeah it just helps with routine it helps with digestion it helps with ensuring that we know what we're going to eat we have routine and it just helps actually to lower food focus because you just know what you're going to eat
1: totally yeah and in like speaking about it in the context of prep is another topic altogether which we don't need to get into today but uh what's the next question for this episode
0: so this next one says what's the biggest sacrifice both food and non-food related, you've had to make to achieve your goals. Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, or alternatively, click the link in the show notes below.
1: Awesome. So yeah, I got asked this on my story, but I wanted to answer it on here, give a bit more of an explanation. So the question asker, I'm I'm sure he'll be listening to this. So appreciate the question. So this one made us think about the answer as we do for every question, of course. Oh
0: boy, you'd hope so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, the reason why it's interesting for us is because we have very regimented lifestyles, both prep and outside of prep. And I would say, in prep, it's just dialed up to the extreme as it needs to be in order to get the the suitable results. And that's, that's not saying in the off-season you have to live like us, but that's just how we do it, how mm. we roll.
0: This is our lifestyle.
1: Yeah. So I guess in terms of sacrifices, we probably don't have as many as other people, to mm-hmm. be completely honest. Like, we both track in the off-season. We both train five days a week in the off-season. So it really comes down to the sacrifices that are directly linked to what we're experiencing in prep. And for me, that comes down to from a lifestyle perspective. So non-food that comes down to energy availability as the, like a example that we've given a few times before, I think is like wanting to, and something I gave in my YouTube video is wanting to, there's an ad on the TV, TV remotes on the opposite end of the couch. And you'd rather just watch the ad than change the channel or or speed it up if you recorded it. So obviously that has quite a dramatic impact on your day-to-day life. Like I don't want to necessarily, I don't know, my brother asks or my parents ask me, hey Jack, you want to go for a walk with the dogs? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I I don't have the energy.
0: No, sorry, I've already done my steps for (laughs) the day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or um, yeah, little things like that. Or you might... Want to go for a shopping trip with your partner or yeah just little things like that which build up over time and will impact your lifestyle and i'm definitely not complaining because it's just an impact that you need to realize with prep and you can still do your best to to make it work like you can still go out shopping but it's just not going to be the same as as if you're bouncing off the walls with glucose Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah what about i'll let you answer the lifestyle one first
0: lifestyle one well Man, I'm not going to lie, like, we haven't been to Nudgy Dog Beach for quite a while, like, with the dogs actually walking out there. It's like, you know, we go out there for more than an hour out on the mud Mm. flats in the hot sun, and it's beautiful, and we play fetch with the dogs, but for the past few months, we actually haven't gone because, one, we have been very busy with work and training and prep Mm. in general, but even on our rest days when we maybe could go, maybe on a Sunday – well, we're let, still let's be just honest. exhausted just the,
1: yeah it comes back to energy availability yeah right? there's
0: just not that burning desire to be like yeah i have all of this energy available to like let's let's drive down to Nudgy dog beach right mm-hmm. and let's go for a nice big walk it's like oh let's just chill out and podcast this afternoon yeah. so there's that i think other lifestyle related things i think that i would just notice again with energy availability little things like I actually haven't mown the lawn for months. And you guys have probably heard me talk on the podcast in the past. Like when I'm in the off season, right? And I'm just like on 450 grams of carbs, buzzing off the walls. Like if I need something to do, like I'm gonna go mow the lawn. But it's been obviously the Australian summer and it's been so freaking hot and I just know that on very low amounts of food, I do need to conserve that energy in order to train hard at the gym. If I mow the lawn, even on a rest day, it just wrecks me. Yeah. And I, it's like, it's very, very exhausting. It's very taxing, especially being out there in the hot sun and I've got to put a bunch of sunscreen on and like I'd probably just go hypoglycemic and just sweat a bunch it's not a fun time. So I almost feel disappointed in myself because I'm like, man, I've actually paid a gardener in this past month to come and mow my lawn. Who the heck am I? Like (laughs) why? I know I can do that myself, but I'm in a position right now where I'm just like, I really don't want to put my body through that.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you do need to be more selfish and say, or I don't know, spend money on a gardener because as you said, it's not about... Ethics or morals, like sure, I I feel bad that I can't maybe go walking with someone, mm-hmm. but it's it's being selfish in order to pursue and maximize your goals, mm-hmm. and that's why competing is such a selfish sport. And there are ways to make it less selfish, but at the end of the day, if you want to do the best you can, it you are going to have to be more selfish than at other times of the year
0: yeah exactly so it's just little things like that but luckily again this is a lifestyle for us we're pretty similar whether or not we're in the improvement season or in a comp prep so Mm -hmm. it's not like when we're in the improvement season where like the most social butterflies going out clubbing every single weekend going to family (laughs) barbecues like going to parties all this sort of stuff so It's not too different in that sense. We're not even
1: really cafe people.
0: No, man. I think I actually bought my very first coffee on the weekend at the show. Mm. That was the first time I've ever actually purchased myself a long black from a cafe and it almost hurt me because I'm I'm like, I'm paying four bucks for this cup of coffee. I could buy an entire jar of instant coffee (laughs) for this. And how many cups could that make me? But I was like, I need some caffeine. Anyway, so that's more like non-food related. What's a food related sacrifice you've had to make?
1: Yeah, so I'm not sure how to interpret this because obviously my food has come down a lot. Like I'm not having a lot of the regular foods I would usually eat in the off season, but that's not really a sacrifice. Like it's more of just an omission. I'm not Mm -hmm. having them. I don't really deem it as a sacrifice because I don't feel any loss. Like I'm doing it for a specific goal. So yeah I mean in the context of food like the only thing I can say is again related to friends and family and, and sociability like uh, for example on my let's say my dad's birthday i or even on my own birthday last year because I had started prep two days after my birthday and on my own birthday because I had recently finished a mini cut I didn't want to have anything off plan mm-hmm. I just had my my regular dinner and for someone like me like I, I don't, couldn't care less like everyone ate because I have four, um, two brothers who share the same birthday they ate what they ate my parents ate the birthday stuff I just ate my thing mm-hmm. and my family is 100% cool with that which I'm very thankful for and I'm I was cool with that as well and Tiara was but like I'm looking forward to like going out to dinner with my friends and family and just not worrying about having to be as strict as I am now
0: let's bring back the rest day roasts. oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I know exactly what you mean, right? Like being at an event and just being like, it's dinner time. Let's just eat what they've served. It's not like, oh, again, I have to hit these specific targets because mm. I'm aiming toward a very specific goal or also, it's your birthday and everyone else is eating your birthday cake.
1: Yeah. And I guess this isn't a sacrifice, but I do enjoy the luxury that I have in the off season of being like, I can easily allocate just 2000 calories to this meal that I'm not going to track. And yeah, it, that's done. Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm worrying about a gram of, of flour.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing though. I don't know, it's because we have so much structure and we genuinely love the food that we eat because we, it makes us feel really good. It makes us feel very nourished, very energized. And we don't feel deprived in any sense. And we can get our calories very high. We can eat a good amount of food. But when transitioning from the improvement season into a comp prep, I don't feel any FOMO. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I don't, I'm not craving KFC or donuts or anything of that sort. And even though we're dietitians and we literally have like a tertiary level of education in food, food doesn't really matter to us. You know, food doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't, I love it, but also like it. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me that much. If I go out to a social event or there's a big table full of food and people are like, "Oh, you gotta try the dip," I'm like, "I'm sure the dip's great, but like, <laughs> I don't really care." <laughs> uh, I don't know. It. I love it, but also I'm. I don't get like super worked up or emotional about it. And I used to for years, mm. but I'm so far past that. Yeah. It's and it's actually it's very freeing to actually not care about food in that sense.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think a a lot of the the experiences or sacrifices we're getting from PrEP is more so relate a direct correlation to the physiological changes mm-hmm. which are causing some psychological changes like an increase in food focus as a result of low energy availability. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're developing psychological habits as a result of PrEP, it's more as a result of the physiological, I hope if that kind of makes sense. Yeah.
0: And we're not craving specific high palatable foods. Like, you know, we're not like, Oh man, I'm in such a large energy deficit. I could really go for a big chocolate cake. You genuinely just want more calories. And because again, you and I are so used to eating certain types of foods that we know make us feel really good. Mm. We're just like, man, I just want more oats. or I just want a bigger protein cake or I want some rice with my vegetables.
1: Also, we've both been there in the past. We both had periods of binge eating mm-hmm. and we know how absolutely horrible you feel after that period of binge eating. So that kind of also holds us back very well in terms of like, I never want to feel like that again. Like I never want to eat a whole chocolate cake and cause I know it's going to sure, it'll taste good while I eat it, but the way I'll feel after is going to make me feel a hundred times worse. Oh and God. I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with how we feel on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I've had my fair share of years of just treating myself like a garbage disposal. Just, oh, it was it's just it's the most awful feeling. And again, it's the hardest thing in the world to overcome, but once you finally do, you're like gosh darn like i just want to eat a normal amount of food and feel really good in my own body and my own mind and not put myself through that because yeah it's a hell it's more than just physiological like psychologically yeah you enter into a completely different headspace
1: Mm. and yeah how do you feel about that
0: yeah so definitely i think the biggest food sacrifice that i've had to make is unfortunately just my dad, he's a total foodie. And when I say a total foodie, I'm not saying like, again, my dad makes all of these highly palatable foods. Like he's not making a, me a bunch of chocolate cakes and lasagnas and stuff like that. My dad loves making really healthy, nutritious food. Like he loves making all of his homemade beans and homemade salsas and guacamole and hummus and these massive fresh salads. Like. It's all incredible food that I freaking love, but when I am in a prep, I actually can't eat those foods just because sometimes they do cause me a little bit of gastrointestinal distress, and they are pretty hard to track. Like I'm like, hey dad, I know it's just canned beans and a bunch of spices, or I know the salsa is just a bunch of tomatoes and capsicum and zucchinis blended up with spice and lemon juice, or the hummus is chickpeas and olive oil, but... I can't really track it and I want to be really accurate. So unfortunately when I'm in prep for a few months, I have to tell my dad like, Hey dad, I'm really sorry, but I actually can't enjoy your beans and your guacamole and your salsa. And you know, parents are always like, you got to try it. Or like, have you tried the beans? (laughs) And that's probably the biggest sacrifice that I've had Mm. to make. But of course, when my
1: parents aren't very food focused, so no,
0: (laughs) but I wouldn't say that your parents do love food.
1: Yeah, but your dad's a foodie.
0: Yeah, my dad's definitely a foodie. But of course, when I enter back into the improvement season, I can have more of his homemade salsa with my eggs in the morning and I can have more of his salad and at night. I'll eat all
1: of his beans.
0: Exactly. Jack's going to eat all of his beans and this house is going to smell like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the only real sacrifice that I've had to make with food per se.
1: Mm. Awesome. Well, that wraps up our questions.
0: Great. All right. Well, I just want to know, Jack, what's one thing that you learned this week?
1: So not necessarily, necessarily something I learned, but definitely it reminded me of something and it was a fairly new experience, like it was kind of just put in front of me. But basically I've been having this wrist issue for a while, it's just a bit of uh, slight irritation of my tendons in the wrist and what I've actually been noticing is on my lower days it gets worse and on my higher days of calories, which brings me up to maintenance three days a week, it, it gets significantly better. And that's just uh, one of the things in prep where as you get lower and lower in body fat and lower energy availability, your rate of healing slows down and so does like your hair growth as well, all that kind of stuff. Like I haven't shaved for quite a few weeks now and it's still at an acceptable length. (laughs) And same with my leg hair as well. And even like I got a little bit of um, shaving cuts on my legs from shaving and those are taking their sweet time to heal and yeah it's even applying to think injuries it's not really an injury but it's just again um slight pain in my wrist that i notice it gets better on the higher days and worse on the lower days so i thought that was just Quite interesting.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting. That whole thing with energy availability. Even things like bruises, right? Like if you get a bruise and prep, that thing's gonna hang around for weeks. Mm. Yeah, it's very frustrating. But hell, if you're a chick, sometimes you don't have to shave your armpits as often. (laughs) So you lose some, you win some.
1: Yeah. Uh, What did you learn?
0: I think I learned this week that. Just, uh, obviously I'm going through shows right now and I'm trying to learn how to really peak myself and really understand when does my body truly look its best. And sometimes it can be frustrating when you're backstage at a show and you're pumping up or you're, you're just backstage in general and you're like, god damn, Like I've looked better than this before at earlier stages in prep, but I wasn't just backstage chilling out, I I looked better when I was in the gym. Mm. And I think something that I've really learned this week is that my best look is when I am hot, when I am warm, when I'm very well hydrated, when I've got a good amount of carbs, fluid in me, and when I've got a good pump but one of the main things for that is my core body temperature and i've always been very prone to just getting cold very easily
1: yeah i can testify for that
0: yeah particularly when i'm dieting i'm always like oh boy gotta put on a sweater there's even a sweater on the back of this chair right (laughs) now and i think it's a 30 degree day here i've got
1: the fan on me and tiara's got her sweater behind her oh
0: my gosh right so i get cold very easily but when you get cold obviously you do not look very vascular and all of your blood redirects to your core, puts more pressure on your kidneys, you go pee more often. So what I've actually found at these past two shows is that I'm in a cold environment and I'm just going pee a lot and I'm flattening out and I don't really like the way I look and it's frustrating as hell because you're like, I'm about to step on a bodybuilding stage. I want to look good, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So what I've learned is that and by next show, I need to just be hot, man. Like I just need to heat the heck up. So I need to wear like some track pants and a big sweater. I need to be, instead of just drinking like room temperature water throughout the day, I need to be drinking like some hot teas or maybe bring myself a thermos or a heat pack. Just stay freaking warm so that I can actually get more vascular and get a better pump and look better on stage. So. Again, you learn these things right through experience, and sometimes you learn them the hard way. But the main thing is that you learn. Mm. So I'm learning these things from every single show, but I'm just learning that obviously even temperature, chilling outside,
1: yeah, instead or of inside, heating
0: up outside while you chill outside. <laughs> <laughs> go out, and, go out in the sun and be a lizard. But I'm just learning these things, and yeah, temperature regulation and actually your core body temperature while you're at a bodybuilding show really freaking matters and i would love to hear like have any other competitors ever experienced that have you ever been backstage at a show and you're cold and you can't really get a pump and you look really flat and you're like what the heck is going mm. on or have any yeah. of you ever tried actually h- using certain methods to heat up backstage yeah. at a show i'm more interested
1: in that because once your tan is on you can't use it you can't wear a sweater yeah especially if it's a guy and you're wearing a top coat of dream mm-hmm. tan Like, we're just... Yeah. Obviously we've got our, a few little things in our head, which we'll probably use, Yeah. but if anyone has any other experiences, that would be very handy.
0: Oh, it'd be so helpful, man. So help your girl over here, heat up and look more vascular and get a freaking pump. All right. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you did enjoy the podcast, please remember to take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag the bodybuilding dietitians, and we'll catch you next week.
1: See you guys.